Doug will likely be calling on some other families to come up and read, and so this is our Advent, and so we have hope today, uh, then we have the pink one, which is joy, that'll be next Sunday, and then peace, and then love, and then the white one in the middle is the light of Christ, right? And so that will be on our Christmas Eve service. We'll have two services, Christmas Eve, and then we'll be able to light the white uh, candle on uh, Christmas Eve. So if you would join with me, I'm going to be first in Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to be throughout the Bible. If I turn anywhere, we'll be there in a little bit, but a lot of times if you open the Bible right in the middle, it's a lot, usually Isaiah or Psalms, it seems like for me, um, Isaiah chapter 9. If you don't have your Bibles with you, it'll be up on the screen or uh, it has an app, Bible apps for you, Blue Letter Bible is a good one, or the Bible app, uh, to download those on your phone if you want to follow along with that. So we're in the Advent series again, and today is on hope. As they just read that hope is waiting on God, this assurance or anticipation, right, and Advent is that, it's the anticipation of Christ's coming, and, and for us, it's his return. Um, anyone have a hard time waiting, like patiently waiting? Like, I know I do. Like, I'm the worst, like, waiter ever. Um, I know for me personally, in my walk with Christ, that God usually allows me to wait longer than I ever wanted to, that I was ever comfortable waiting for him to come through. For me, I believe that's so that God gets the credit but he's also working faith or, or hope into my heart. He's growing me. And so I don't know if you've been there before. But my question to you today, for those that are here, those that are online, um, have you ever struggled with hope as a Christian? I mean, for me, I have. Like, it seems like recently I've just been in a season of like, why is my hope waning? I don't know. It seems kind of odd. Seems like an odd time for me to be lacking in a little bit of, of hope. And I begin this journey in studying of God's word and hope, and I, and I pray that it benefits you as much as it has for me. But as I begin to think as this candle about light and, and the light of Christ and the hope that we have, and I was thinking of in terms of specifically light. That Christ is the light of the world, that we are as a church, a city on the hill, that's the light. That we as Christians are light for those that are walking in the darkness. And um, I was a geospatial guy, that's what I got my bachelor's degree in, and worked in geospatial science for a long time. And used to teach the military geospatial science. And so I was thinking of it in terms of the world that we live, we live on, planet Earth. And I have a picture up here for you. So this is our planet, and I don't know if you knew this or not, but our planet is actually tilted on its axis, right? 23.5, degrees. And that's why we have different seasons, right? Where we rotate, the Earth goes around the sun once a year, um, and half of that time is, is, our, is, our, is the winter, right? Winter solstice is like December, what, 21st, 22nd, depending upon the year, and so that's the, the shortest day and the longest night, is when we're on that particular side of the sun, and we're, we're in the northern hemisphere, so we're tilted, we're tilted away from the sun, and so the, the rays get quite, a little bit longer there, there's not as much energy 
coming to planet Earth on exactly where we live. And that's the winter solstice. That's the, the darkest time in the northern hemisphere for all of us. I feel it coming on, like the days are getting shorter and I can just kind of sense it. Sometimes that's the way it is with life. That it seems like the darkness is creeping in, that, that our days are getting longer. There's not as much light as there used to be. And that may be you, and you may at some point in your adult life reflect on how you thought things would be. That I, I never thought that I would struggle with my marriage. I, I never thought that my kids would have it harder than, than, I, than I do or I did. I never thought that I would struggle financially or I always thought that I would have a long and healthy life because my, my mom lived to be 90 or my grandma lived to be 98 and so I just assumed that that would be the case for me. And so when we live a long enough life and the darkness begins to creep in on our hope that we have, what do we do with that? When we're inundated with bad news, right, that seems to never have an ending to it and and then we ask the question of how could this, the darkness that we see, how could it not overcome us as Christians? I was reading some statistics at one point that says that roughly about one in four Americans are practicing Christians. Seems kind of bleak, those numbers. But if you look into the data a little bit further, it says that 70% of all Americans will pray at least once a week. And what that tells me is that maybe some people have lost hope in the church or Christians or whatever. But the bright, the light that I see in that, the spark that I see in that is that people have not given up on hope from God. That 70% of people still put their hope and their trust into God. We see that throughout the Bible, don't we? Again, the Old Testament, that, that people are suffering, the darkness has come, and there seems to be no hope, yet God sends them hope, either through a prophet or somebody else that comes and speaks to them, and they, they give them hope. And we see that throughout the, the Bible, and that's why the coming Messiah was so important to the people. The prophecy of the Messiah who's going to come and change Everything, this advent of waiting and anticipation. And as we as Christians, we, we are told the same thing, that we should be waiting in anticipation of that, him who is to come again, to make all things right. And that's where our hope comes from. So, so God, throughout the Bible, through his prophets and through, throughout his word, he gives the people hope of a coming Messiah. We see this in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. It speaks of this king named Ahaz. King Ahaz was not a good king. As Amanda and I went through Israel, right? So the promise was given to Moses. He saw the promised land. And then Joshua, he takes the people into the promised land. And the people then, they want judges, and they want kings, and they want different things, and they ask, and God gives those things to the people, and it doesn't always work out the greatest, right? We also see that Israel is divided, Judah and Israel, or we see some tribes, the 12 tribes, 
right, of Israel that will move different locations. Like, I'm tired of being on this border with these people that are attacking me, so I'm going to move up to a different area. And so it's a little bit, you got to kind of follow along in the Bible and understand those things. But generally speaking, 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles speaks of King Ahaz. Now, King Ahaz was not a good king. There were good kings like David, but King Ahaz was not a good king. He desolated the temple. He worshipped false idols. He sacrificed his own children. And he disobeyed God. He was not a good king of Judah. God then allowed, because of his disobedience, he allowed the enemy to come in to ransack the, the town, the community, the area, imprison the people, the Israeli people. And they were suffering. Now, the enemy did not overtake Judah did not overtake the king, but the people were in prison, they were enslaved, they were in ruins, and their lives were terrible. It was a winter solstice, to say the least. And along came the prophet Isaiah to bring light and to bring hope to God's people during this time. And Isaiah chapter 7 through 10 speaks of the results of King Ahaz and his wicked ways. Sandwiched there in the middle is Isaiah 9, chapter 9, verse 1 through 7. And what I want you to do when you hear the word of God is I want you to hear it from the perspective of the people who were living at that time. And all that they were going through. And the hope that they would have heard through the prophet Isaiah, chapter 9. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light, and those who dwell in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nations, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burnt as fuel for the fire. And here is the verse that you may have heard before. For us to a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom. To establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forever. The zeal of the Lord our host will do this. And imagine the people receiving the, that word from the prophet about a coming Messiah. Who will set all things right. In verse 2 it says, Then the people who walked in darkness, who have seen a great light, those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone, that they will see the Messiah. In that land they will see the Messiah, the light of the world, to make all things right. 
And then again in verse 1, it says, But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish in the former time he brought into contempt the land. And it goes on to say, But in the latter time he was made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan. Galilee. Galilee of the nations. Saying the Messiah will come. Jesus will come in the land of Galilee, in Judah, where you live, where you're being suffered. This is where the Messiah is going to come, exactly where you are. In Matthew chapter 4, I'm going to turn to that. Matthew chapter 4, this is fulfilled with Jesus in verse 12 through 17. The Bible says, now when he heard that John, this is Jesus, had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. Does that sound familiar? We just read that. So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah may be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region and the shadow of death on them, a light has dawned. Here is Jesus standing in Judah on the Sea of Galilee. It says, for the first time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The people of the northern tribe of Judas suffered the invasion and out of God's mercy and his love is where he sent Jesus to that same area to witness firsthand in person and the fulfilling of prophecy of what Isaiah prophesies of the light of God, the hope coming. And although our circumstances look different, we too have a great hope. Do we not? Advent means appearing or coming. And the first advent for the people of Judah was Christ's first coming. And for us, it's the second advent of Christ's return. The hope that we have. And I ask you, is Jesus' second coming your hope? Is that something that you hope upon? Is your hope set upon Christ's second coming, making all things right? That this world is messed up. There is darkness in this world. Jesus promises in this world you will have trouble. There's no doubt about that. He says, but I have overcome the world. It's a hope that we have. The crowds that followed Jesus were seeing these miracles and, and following Jesus around. And if you look close enough, you can see yourself in the crowd. Wanting hope of things to be restored. Things to be made right. Like the people were confused because they thought the Messiah was going to come and overthrow the Roman government and make everything right. But I think if we put our hope in that, we're going to be like the people of the crowd. And we can see ourselves in that. Jesus says, well, no, 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 I, I came 
I came here to seek and to find the lost. Come and follow me. I'm not going to do that right now. It's not my mission. It's not my purpose. And if we're not careful, we could also lose hope as well. And forgetting what the mission of Christ was and between then and between his second coming, the mission is to seek and to save the lost. To give them the hope and the light that we have. Imagine being someone who doesn't have the hope of Christ living in this world today with no hope. How long can you go without eating? Anybody know? Anybody try? A few weeks maybe? I don't know. I wouldn't want to try. How long can you go without drinking water? A few days? Four days? Thanks, Jack. How long can you go without breathing? No, no. Don't try it. <laughs> I don't know. What the eight minutes? I don't know, maybe. But I tell you, I would not want to go one second without a little bit of hope. Again, imagine being someone in this crazy world that we live in without any hope. No wonder there's so much depression and suicide and anxiety. And that's hard to stave off as a Christian. Imagine not having that hope. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost for, for, for the forgiveness of sin. He just said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. And we forget his true mission and purpose. Although we can find joy in Christ, he didn't come to make us happy. Although we can live morally right lives as Christians, he did not come for us to live moral lives. Although I love Christmas, he didn't come for us to have Christmas every year. He came so that sinners would repent. He came to seek and save the lost. To give us hope. We have the same mission. So the question then is, what is biblical? What does the Bible say specifically about hope? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. If you would turn with me there, we're going to start there. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. I wish I could cover more of this. We just don't have time. But verse 13 says this. It talks about you're going to lose knowledge, all that passes away, all these things in life passes away. But then Paul says in verse 13, it says, so now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest is love. These things abide. These things are eternal. These things do not go away. As believers in Jesus, those things we have and will retain, like God holds them in heaven, we inherit those. We can't lose them. God protects them in heaven. Faith, hope, and love. Hope is an eternal gift. 
that we all have as Christians. People receive when they come to Christ. First Peter, first Peter chapter four, verse four says that we are born again. We are born again as Christians to a living hope, not a dead hope, but a living hope inherited, kept for you in heaven. Faith and hope, they get confused. If you had a loving, trusting father that says, hey, I'm going to take you this weekend to Six Flags. Knowing your father, knowing his word, you would have faith that your father would follow through with what he says. Where hope comes into play is when you start jumping for joy and get excited and looking forward to, without any hesitation, without any doubt in your mind that your father is going to do what he says he's going to do, that is hope. That is the hope that we have in Christ. And his promises and his words in the past is what we put our faith in and we get excited and joyful about him fulfilling what he says he's going to do, and that is then our, our hope. You see, faith alone and Christ alone saves us. And I would say, this is my own words, but that hope sustains us. Christ sustains us. And that hope is built on top of faith. The Bible says that faith comes from hearing the word of God. It's a spiritual thing, but it's also an intellectual thing that faith comes from hearing the word of God, hearing the promises of God. And hope is an earnest anticipation of believing something good and not having any doubt or luck involved. I can say, I hope I win the lottery, the Powerball, but that's based on luck. Like the hope that we have in the Bible is not based on luck. It's based on an earnest anticipation of believing something good about God's work. There's no luck or doubt involved with that. Romans 8.24 says that hope can't be seen. If you can see it, it's not hope. Hope is looking forward to something that we can't see, that we trust God in. In Titus chapter 1 Verse 2 says this. It says, In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. And that's where I say that hope is a future looking forward to eternal life, our hope of eternal life. And it says then, Who never lies, promised being before the ages begins, so our faith in what God has said before in His Word. Through his son, Jesus. And hope is in Christians gives us the ability to endure hardship and preserve in adverse circumstances. We need the hope of Christ as followers. Just as this light, I want to give you a little bit of 
uh, just just my heart. I was saying like this this idea of hope as I was kind of struggling with that as a Christian. Not that I lost my hope, but it just didn't seem like it was as strong as it has been in the past. And I was just praying to God about that. And I was looking through this and I said, you know what? That, that hope is not dependent upon me. I put my faith and trust in Jesus and he gave me hope. The Bible says that God stores it up in heaven, that I inherited hope. I don't have to depend upon myself for hope. God gave that to me. I just have to depend upon him, right? Seek first the, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you if I abide in Christ that God promises me that I have hope. I don't have to depend upon myself. It's not based on my frailty, on my sinfulness. It's based on Christ. I just have to put my focus on him. And I also got to thinking that sometimes my hope could fill this room with the brightness. Like it's a summer solstice. Like it's as bright. I'm on the equator. It's as bright as it's going to be. And my hope is shining for the world to see. And sometimes all I can do is muster up the light of a match. In my hope. But at least I have it. At least I have it. Even if it's just a match. Or if it's as bright as the sun that day. God has given me hope. As little as it is, it's not going away. That is a gift. That you and I have as Christians. That this world does not have. The Bible says... Those that are walking in darkness have no hope. We should thank God for that. Praise God for that. And as we seek and to save the lost as Christ did as well, you may not feel like you have much hope that day. But even the light of a match will fill a room of darkness. So when people see you as Christians... They see the light, the hope that we have. Thank God for that. I hope that helps you as much as it did for me. Titus 2, chapter 11 through 13, I'm going to read this. It says, For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the, presence, in the present age. And here it is. I want you to really focus on what's God saying here in his word. It says, this is to you as a Christian and to me. It says, waiting for our blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify, pur purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. The blessed hope that we have is the returning, the waiting and anticipation, the advent and waiting for the returning of our king who will make all things right who will put light in all of darkness that's what we should be hoping for 
and waiting for and anticipating. J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, has a victorious ending. Tolkien's use of biblical imagery is captivating, and a powerful example occurs at the Battle of Helm's Deep. When it looks like the evil armies of Saruman are going to destroy the army of Rohan, Aragon remembers the words of Gandalf. Look to my coming at first light on the third day. At dawn, look to the east. Just as the sun has fully risen, Gandalf, in blazing glory, arrives riding on a white stallion and leading a massive army. In stunning fashion, the tides turn and the battle is won. For those of us who know Christ, we will see something much more glorious, something much more victorious when we see Christ coming. You today may be in a winter solstice. It may seem that the shadows are getting darker, that the nights are getting longer. But praise God for the light that you have. Praise God for the hope that you have. If you are here today and you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you do not have this hope that I'm talking about. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. For what we earn, the wages, we all as human beings who are sinful, we earned death. For the wages of sin is death. If you've ever heard me talk about the gospel, I say, just keep reading in the Bible, you'll get to the but. You'll get to the good news of the gospel, and it says, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And it doesn't stop there. It says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible is clear that for our wages, what we earned is death. But the good news, the faith that we have and the hope that we have is in his son, Jesus, who gives us a free gift, the free gift of eternal life. Our eternal life that we have hope for and and God as a perfect gentleman holds the gift for all of us to receive. And it's through his son, Jesus, that all you have to do is confess that you are a sinner Put your faith and trust in what Jesus did. Ask God to come live in your heart. To give you this eternal hope. You can do that today. God's waiting for you. You Pray along with me. I'd love to talk with you afterwards. Let us pray. Dear Father, Lord, thank you for this eternal hope that we have. Lord, I pray today that we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, are reminded of the special, eternal gift of hope that we have. Lord, I pray as we hear your word that just as the people back in the Old Testament, that they were encouraged and had great hope and anticipation of the coming Messiah, 
Lord, that we would have just as much hope, just as much anticipation for your son to come again. Lord, I pray that we are reminded daily that our hope is not dependent upon ourselves, that our salvation is not dependent upon ourselves. It's dependent upon your son, Jesus. That, Lord, we need to surrender to him. We need to put our eyes on Christ. Lord, that he can grow our hope. That Christ, in the name of Jesus, is the only one that can save. Lord, prepare our hearts for this month, for this season. Lord, help us to seek and save the lost. Lord, help us to be the light for those that have no hope at all. And Lord, that they would see that there's something different about all of us. And that they too would want the hope that we have. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.